I recently heard of something called the, the three-minute test, and th- this is how it goes. If you just start to speak, and three minutes after you start, the alarm, fire alarm goes and everybody has to leave the building, are they going to be motivated enough by what you said to come back and listen to the rest of it? So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I'm going to get you excited enough in the first three minutes that we would pass the fire alarm test. Without a fire alarm, yeah. So, guidance part three, the three steps for knowing God's will. And my plan is that we're going to look at how Jesus made decisions. And I'm going to give you a clear framework for how to make decisions in your life. Here's my outline. And I'm going to explain that a little bit more in a minute, but those are the three steps, starting at the bottom and going up. But the key question I'm going to start with is, how did Jesus decide what to do? How did Jesus go about getting guidance? And that's going to be our launch point for what we're going to do today. So before we get into that, the story so far... Um, I I began the first one by saying how not to find guidance, and we talked about how not to choose a wife and other stories, and that's online if you're intrigued and want to find out. Uh, The problem with fleeces, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then the last one was basic ideas, two extremes, the dot and the circle. The dot is where every decision you make in your life, you've got to find God's perfect will for it. And you can end up with a hugely legalistic life where, oh dear, have I missed God's decision? Have I missed the perfect will of God? And you've got to follow this dot in every decision you make. And the other one is the opposite extreme, which is, hey, you can do anything you like as long as it doesn't break one of God's laws. Like it's a circle. You, the circle is outside that circle is what's against the law, God's law. Inside, you're keeping his law. So, hey, don't, you've got freedom. And uh, we looked at mapping out the middle ground of between those two extremes. So uh, the key ideas then I have today, as New Testament Christians, we are living in the new covenant, which means Christ is living in us through the Holy Spirit. This is a key idea missing from many teachings on guidance. We should look at how Jesus found guidance when he took on human form. And we're going to see how there are these steps. And let me just go back to my steps there. Um, the, the foundation is, um, is that we have a, the heart of Jesus in us through the Spirit. That's the basic level that we in the New Covenant have the Spirit, we have his heart. We have a new nature. On top of this, we, have, we can make explicit prayers for wisdom. And I'm going to be talking about that. And on top of that is the role of supernatural intervention in guidance. God steps in and shows you this is exactly what I want. And I'm going to be talking about that next time. So we're going to concentrate on the first two steps this time. So these are walking in the spirit, living and loving according to our new heart. That's my my, um, 
summary of the bottom step, living and loving according to our new heart. And then we have asking for wisdom. And sometimes, you know, when it doesn't seem clear what we should do, ask for wisdom. And we do it this by praying and laying everything before him and praying through it. And then the supernatural revelation, which we can't demand these revelations, but we can't ignore them. And we should, we always have one. We can ask for two when we need it. And we should be open to three when God decides to give it. So that in a nutshell is what my steps are. And if an alarm bell goes, you needn't bother to come back because you've heard all the basics. So, uh, but maybe you should stay for a minute because I'm going to talk about how Jesus did this. So how did Jesus decide what to do? So here's a couple of scriptures. Uh, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So what's happening there? Jesus doesn't need some specific word of guidance because his heart is a heart of compassion, which is the nature of God. And he doesn't say, oh, you know, these helpless people, you know, what should I do about that? No, he moves out of this heart that God, that, that, that is, is the heart of God in him. And here's another example. Just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was also with her. When the Lord saw her, she, he had compassion on her and said, don't weep. And then he came up and touched the open coffin. The pallbearer stopped and he said, young man, I tell you, get up. And so here we have Jesus acting out of his nature. Yesterday I had a call and this woman on the phone saying, oh, I'm in desperate need. Could you pray with me? So I don't have to say, well, you know, let me just think about this. I need guidance on this. Should I pray with somebody who's in desperate trouble and wanting prayer? God, you need to guide me on this. No, I don't, I don't need to pray for wisdom. Like, this is what but my heart is naturally overflowing. And I want to tell you that a large number of the decisions that you make in your life will flow out of who you are as a new creation with, this, the, with the life of, of Jesus in you. That is how it should be. So I want to say that a lot of the life of Jesus, he is just living out of who he is. And that's the base, that's the bottom level. So then we, when we look at Jesus, sometimes we see very often we something, something more. He, uh, this is before he chose the disciples. The night before, he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Why didn't Jesus say, God, you know, I just want 12 names. That's magic. I want them light above then, a light to pop up above them when I'm to choose them. No, what he did, he spent the whole night. And I imagine he went through all of the people who could possibly be just praying, <clears throat> I need wisdom, this is, this is, who are they? Just praying through all of the people until he knew he was given that revelation of wisdom of who were the ones to 12, to, to, to pick for the 12. And so, uh, so you notice then, this was deliberate prayer for the choice and an extended time of prayer, working at the prayer, praying through the various items that are here. 
So Jesus then um, asked for wisdom in prayer at this time. Sometimes Jesus operated in the third level. Very often he would get a picture or a prophetic word and here's an example. Uh, Nathaniel comes towards him. He says something which shocks Nathaniel. How did you know? Nathaniel says to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under a fig tree, I saw you. In other words, God gave me a picture and I saw you at that time. So Jesus is operating out of these three levels that I'm going to be talking about. And so are the apostles. And so Jesus in us in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 2. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things that are freely given to us from God. So we have the spirit that's in us, and then it goes on, verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to advise him, but we have the mind of Christ. So this is something dwelling in us, living in us. And a lot of what this means in practice is what happened with Jesus, the heart of compassion, uh, uh, an, an automatic knowing of how somebody who loves God would behave in that situation because it's just an expression of, of our new character. And so this then is a foundation layer. We get it from the new covenant. Hebrews 8 verse 10, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And so the law, not thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. Much more than that, it's, a, it's an expression of God's character in all of these challenges that come up in our life. So that is, that is the new covenant that this flows out of. Um, and it's about having Jesus in us. And I'm going to suggest to you that the, this is the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And this new heart automatically wants to do God's will. Um, now, there's a, an extra complexity here because we still have the flesh within us and Galatians tells us it's warring against the spirit. So there are times when there's a conflict within us and there are other voices inside us that are not the, the, the love of God, the character of God, but something rather different. I have a little bit more of that next, next time because next time we're going to try and talk about how we discern these different voices. But I want to say just for now that this new heart um, will move us towards mercy, compassion, and love. It will move us towards making the choices that Jesus would make because the new heart is nothing less than the life of Jesus within us. And so I want to say, and this is the bottom line, we have the resources within us to make Christ-like choices and follow him. You see there's a line along the bottom there. That's the bottom line. We have the resources. You have the resources within you to make Christ-like choices and to follow him. You have it. So if you're a Christian, the first level of guidance is something you have. You have the mind of Christ. That doesn't mean to say we can't improve in that area, and I will be talking about that 
later on. But this then is the foundation. And um, I, I, I'm going to give you some examples of this in practice now in the life of Paul. First Thessalonians uh, chapters 2 and 3, end of chapter 2 we read, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. He's got this heart of love towards the Thessalonians. and He really desires, and it's the love of Christ in him. So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Is it not you? So you can see this love that he's got for these people. He wants to see them. How are they doing? How are they getting on? What can he do to help them? Indeed, you're our glory and joy. So when we could bear it no longer, we decided to stay on in Athens alone. We sent Timothy, our brother and fellow worker for God in the gospel of Christ to strengthen you and encourage you about your faith. So what's going on there? He's made a decision to stay where he is. He's got to stay there, but he's made his decision to send Timothy. What's the motivation for that decision? What's going on? What's driving that decision? Love. This love for them, and he can bear it no longer, not seeing them being blessed. So acting out of that love, he doesn't have, sometimes Paul gets a divine revelation, but we don't read, oh, I I heard God... Jesus appeared to me and said, send Timothy, which could have happened, but it didn't. He's acting out of this love that is the love of Christ in them. They need him. They need help. And this within him is so strong, he makes a decision on the basis. Um, So uh, here's another example, 2 Corinthians 9. My point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you, and this is in terms of our offering, it's our giving, each one of you should give just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so if our hearts are the new creation, then deciding in our hearts what to give is the right thing to do. If... um, God, if God was to tell us, oh, you've got to give this much, I'm going to give you a revelation, this is how much you have to give, then it's not coming out of our cheerful hearts. And the whole point here is that God wants to develop us as children, not as slaves. He wants us to grow as children who are making this decision ourselves. And this comes, this, these kind of decisions come from the inner witness of the spirit we know it's the right thing to do it's like a reflex because it's it's this spirit within us saying yes this is what we should do the us the person of god has made us um you know we have to we can talk next time about it, you know the other voice which it's which it's speaking our comfort keeping in our comfort zone because sometimes the spirit will drive us out of our comfort zone. And we need to distinguish the spirit, the witness of the spirit here from the voice of the flesh. But this doesn't change the fact that we have, if we're believers, if we're following Christ, we have this force within us, which is the, the 
character of God that wants to get out, that wants to be displayed. And so that then is the bottom level, the bottom step, having the heart of Jesus in us through the Spirit. And if you have a decision to make, in some sense you don't even need to to spend time with that because like it would seem right. But it doesn't hurt to reflect on that. It doesn't hurt to say, how am I as a child of God to behave in this? And just reflect on what it means for you to have the mind of Christ. That then is the bottom level. It's about living out of who you are right now as a new creation in the spirit. But the next thing I want to talk about is the next level, which is wisdom. Asking for wisdom. And so a question, there's a question comes up. Can anyone think of a verse when we're commanded to pray for guidance? How about one where we're commanded to pray for wisdom? Yes, in James, yes, that's right. So um, we read uh, James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for guidance. Of course we should. But the emphasis here seems to be to pray for wisdom. Well, why is that? Often we want guidance, and God give, gives us wisdom. Wouldn't it be nice if every prayer that you answered, every tough decision, you'd see the clouds form the answer in words across the sky and you could just read it and do it. And, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's God's will or, or uh, you know, he would just speak it in an audible voice into your ear. Wouldn't that be nice? But um, let me, let me uh, um, uh, talk about um, how this is actually... Not always what God wants to do, because he wants to develop us as people. And part of that is developing us as people who are learning to walk in wisdom. Um, I'm going to tell a story now. Um, I had a, a career decision to make in my 20s. And I had the privilege of working for a company which was actually originally founded by Christians. And this company said that um, they believed that all employees should be treated equally from the highest to the lowest, which meant they wanted to make employees first in their organization. So when they had offices, they said, well, if we want people, we're going to put the employees first. Let's buy a palace out like in the middle of a, of, a, of, a, of a forest of cedar trees. And here it is. This is where I worked. This is the offices. And there were high ceilings that were decorated. There were famous paintings on the walls. And it was, it was like it was a dream job. And um, the company actually, it's changed a lot nowadays, but it, that's how it was in those days. The company was IBM. And um, uh, it was a dream job. And every lunchtime we'd go walk, a walk in this forest of cedars. And it was amazing. And um, uh, so, but the problem was it was some drive for quite a long way from where I lived. And it was a long time every day commuting. And I lived right by the church because I was very involved in the church. And um, so I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do here? Because my, I don't have enough time to do all the things I want to do in the church. And then I saw a job advertised in the university, a research position that was, um, uh, it was very um, 
very close to where I lived, and I could cycle there very quickly. And um, but it, the pay was really not very good at all. But it was it was completely flexible working hours. You know, work your own hours, and it would be fantastic for being able to increase my time working in the church. But what am I going to do here? So I just started. I went through this decision process, and I talked to one one Christian who I admired, and he said, "You know, if you ask God." He will very clearly give you a supernatural revelation about which you ought to do. You'll be very clear. So I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and nothing came. And, um, and um, so I, I, I just didn't know what to do. And then it, I, as a last resort, I asked my dad, you know. <laughs> so I, I, um, he was the, my pastor as well. So I asked him and um, he said, Andrew, he said, in my experience, sometimes God give, gives you remarkable supernatural answers, but sometimes he guides you. He will always guide you, but sometimes he guides you through wisdom. And what you need to do is to actually sit down, write all the pros and cons down, and then pray through them asking for wisdom. And then after you've done that, God might lead you through that, or he may give you some more supernatural guidance. But that's the first step. So I, I sat down and I worked through my list and uh, I just prayed through everything and I felt the right thing to do was to leave this job. And, um, and uh, I, I did, I made that decision to leave it and I did. And um, uh, I moved to the university and God looked after me. And in retrospect, I, I'm absolutely certain that was the right thing to do because have you heard of the expression, a gilded cage? A golden cage. It was like, would be like being in a golden cage because you can't leave because it's too good. They had a very low level of people leaving this company. People would very, very rarely leave because you got treated so well. And, um, and uh, I would still be stuck in this cage. And, um, and uh, the other option would have been to move near this location, but then I would not be able to be involved in the, ch- the church, which I felt God was calling me to do. So that was my decision. And God, so God guided me through the first level, but also praying through wisdom. And it wasn't just, God, give me wisdom. It was actually working at it, listing, thinking through all of the parts of the choice and then praying, God, what about that thing? Is that really important? Is that something that should weigh heavily on me? Like, how important are these things, God? And so it's a a combination of thinking things through and praying over every detail being open to God giving me wisdom. And so I would say that um, wisdom, in some ways you can say wisdom is knowing Jesus better. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. So wisdom that we're, we're told to pray for is actually a wisdom which flows from God. And uh, uh, a, a good illustration of this would be, um, I, it's a story of a, a world-famous architect, landscape architect. And uh, he had dozens of employees, and he would um, walk around giving them directions and he'd say, oh, put this shrub here, and I want a path along there, and oh, that needs pruning. And, uh, and then and he would just do everything and they'd have these beautiful results but then he started employing his children as they grew up and he treated them very differently uh he explained many of his reasons 
because he wanted them to learn and grow. He'd say, look, you see with the shape, that shape there kind of clashes with that shape there. What do you think if we were to do this? And he'd actually try and impart his own artistic heart of wisdom to them. So they could, they could understand what was happening and not follow blindly. To encourage them to make choices and release them into freedom as they come to understand how to make the choices. Does that sound like what God does with us? It is. So sometimes we would like God to tell us every single choice just like that. You just tell me. God actually wants to develop you. And he's doing this in a process where sometimes he gives you more. Sometimes he holds back and says, you just think about this, Melinda. You need to pray through this and do some work here and and explore my heart in this. And so this is why we have these levels, because God is encouraging us to grow through this. The Bible is full of telling us the value of wisdom. Can anybody think of any verses that tell us about wisdom being valuable? Like Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 2. My child, if you receive my words and store up my commands within you, by making your ear attentive to wisdom, by tuning your heart, turning your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for discernment, raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it as like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand how to fear the Lord. You will discover knowledge about God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So isn't that beautiful? So this is God who actually wants to treat you as children and to help you grow in discernment. He wants you to grow in the ability to make choices. And we can see this idea in the New Testament, Colossians 1. And so from the day we heard We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So that's by walk, he means live out your life, pleasing to him and bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And we can also see Romans 8.14, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And uh, this, this indeed could apply to both of the first two levels of living. Both of these are being led by the Spirit of God. So I hope I've convinced you of the importance of wisdom as a critical step in asking for God's will. And I would say to you, you should be asking for that before you ask for anything like a supernatural guidance. You should be asking for wisdom. Sometimes the decision might, you know, might not need that. Like when the woman called me on the phone, I didn't need to pray, God, please give me wisdom about whether I should answer this call and pray with this poor broken woman. No, I didn't need to ask for wisdom. That was like, you know, I could just allow the love of God to flow out of me. But very often we need to ask for wisdom in this. And um, uh, so the question then is, how do we go about getting wisdom? And this is how I want to bring things together now. How do we go about this? 
How, what is the process here? And I would say the first is the Bible, especially the kingdom values in the Bible, love, justice, truth, God's character, understanding that is the first level that we have. And learning to hear God in a quiet room, this is my, my summary of it, learning to hear God in a quiet room. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you know what someone's voice sounds like, so I know, for example, I know what Asher's voice sounds like. I know it's Asher speaking. So the other day we, were, we happened to meet in No Frills. Well, I actually saw you before I heard you. But if I'd heard you speaking in the middle of all the noise, I would know it was you because I know what your voice sounds like. It's the same with God's voice. In all the, the, the voices in the middle of life when everything's happening, we need to be able to hear what God's voice sounds like. And so we need to hear in the quietness of a quiet room where we can just open his word and we can hear this is God. I don't have to be in any doubt what God's voice sounds like. And then we will know in the hubbub of life whether it's God speaking. So get to know what his voice sounds like. Um, the, the, the Bible, it's um, Joshua uh, chapter 1 is a good example. I'm, I'll I'll come back to that. Um, the second one is a good counsel from others. And um, now I would say this isn't just about asking for advice. It's not just about um, getting good advice from, from people. It's actually about living in a spirit-filled community. Um, let me give you an example of this. I was in a church once and... Um, one of the, the elders in the church was uh, in con construction. He was a professional. He was very, very at a very responsible position. And in order for his career to progress, he had to move to the big city from the little town we were in. And so should he do this or should he stay, which would cramp his career, but keep him at the same church? So what did he do? He shared it with the community uh, uh, his, uh, in the church, what should I do? And there was a real feeling that his, his role was so critical in our community that we, he would be a huge loss if he left, if he moved. And he thought, yeah, this is, this is God's will for me. I'm going to forego this career advancement for the sake of the body of Christ that I belong to here. But he didn't make that decision just in himself by asking a bit of advice, he made that as part of a community where he said, you know, let's, let's just think this through together. And so when I say good counsel from others, I think um, it's a little bit more than just asking advice. It's actually being part of a community where that helps you make decisions. Um, the next thing which is related to that, consulting other stakeholders. What I mean by that? Well, sometimes we can make a decision which impacts other people. Uh, but it's our decision. But we don't actually talk to them until it's done. An example would be um, back um, around um, 20... Just trying to get... Yeah, I'm trying to guess the date, 19-something other. We were, thinking, we were planning to move permanently to Canada. And we'd been spent some time in Canada different times. And we had... Um, we had an 11-year-old um, Jessica and a 13-year-old Luke, and we talked to them about it. And we said, look, there's four of us 
it's impacts you as well. What do you think about moving to Canada? What do you think? And, uh, and we talked about it together, and they said, yeah, no, we think we should go for it. And so we came as a family. We didn't say, well, you know, we're the parents here. We're making the decision. You're coming, which is true. I mean, ultimately, we had to take responsibility for the decision. But we, we valued them as stakeholders in this. And so often people don't do that. They make decisions which impact other people and they don't talk to them about it because they're afraid they're going to say something that disagrees and it's going to make it awkward. But people feel much more valued. Even if they say something which disagrees with what you do, the fact that you've, you've given them value, I think is a biblical thing to do. And so I think the, the Proverbs telling us to work with counsellors is got this idea as well as just asking advice. So I would say that's part of wisdom. Um, the next thing, um, I, I said, I'm putting common sense in there. And you may think, well, why is that there? Well, sometimes uh, Christians can do things which are lacking in common sense. And they think, well, you know, God's told me to. But, you know, if God has told you to do something which is against common sense, you better be clear that it was God telling you. God does that. God often does give us something. That's, but you need to be clear because there have been many, many times, and the example of the, um, the one I told you about finding not, how not to find a wife was like basically stupid, like not common sense. And God has given you the common sense. So you need to apply that and to think through that. Um, another thing to consider as we're getting wisdom, is general revealed wisdom. So what I mean by that? Um, well, uh, a while ago, I came into church and Bill was there and Bill said, don't shake my hand because I've, I've got a cold and I don't want to pass it on. So what's happening there? Well, is that in the Bible? Well, no, it's what God revealed to the man, Louis Pasteur, who discovered the germ theory. And he, he, God revealed that to him as he studied science. And God reveals things through science, through medicine and so on. And we take, we do, we take reasonable things through God's revelation, through uh, what we call general revelation. And so that is something to take account of. Um, is it wise? All truth is God's truth. And so people who studied God's truth and made discoveries, we should, we should um, take note of that. <clears throat> so we shouldn't devalue this. Um, so these are ways we can go about getting wisdom. I would say, and I don't have this as a point, that the most important thing that we can do is to pray through every item of the decision. Because in my experience, supposing you list out, I, I should move to this job. These are the pros, these are the cons. And you start to pray about it, you'll think, you know what, that really isn't a con. That's No, that's not a problem. I should cross that out. Oh, that one there. You know, actually, that's quite important. I need to highlight that. And as you pray through the, the pros and cons of a decision, then, and you, then the wisdom will, will show up as... Oh, actually, that's not important. Oh, that is really important. Oh, I never thought of that. Oh, there's a new thing I need to write down. And that's how God guides through wisdom. He will add and he will, he will clarify what really is important, what really are the pros and cons in this decision-making process. So I would say that this process of, of, of going through 
And, and asking others is part of this. This process of going through is our decision making. And any of these items may be specifically brought to mind by the Spirit as we pray. Um, just the first one there, the, the Bible, um, there's a quote from Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. Make sure you are very strong and brave. Carefully obey all the law my servant Moses charged you to keep. Do not swerve from it to the right or the left so that you may be successful in all you do. And so this is the idea of a driving a vehicle and making your decisions based on the scriptures, God's revelation. Um, so uh, talking about, about wisdom, there's a, there's a great verse in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 16 where Paul talks about this kind of, of wisdom and decision-making. Then when I arrive, I will send those whom you approve to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems advisable that I should go also, they will go with me. So what's he saying? Well, when, we get, when I get to you, we're going to make a decision about whether I'm going, they're going by themselves or I'm traveling with them. We'll make that decision on the basis of whether it seems advisable. In other words, whether it seems like it's the wise thing to do. And so he's saying, now, of course, if, if, if uh, he'd had a, a supernatural revelation on top of that, that would override that. But without the supernatural revelation, he's going to go on the basis of the wisdom and the choice here. And um, so that's uh, an example then. So the, going back then, as we, as we bring, bring this to a close, we have three steps for knowing God's will, having the heart of Jesus in us, which is the foundation, ask him for wisdom. And then next time I'm going to speak about specific revelation. And that's going to include um, not only dreams and visions, but extraordinary, extraordinarily providential events that might happen, um, divine interventions, supernatural signs, ways that we can get specific uh, Revelation and what that looks like, and uh, so that's we're going to we're going to build that on the top there. But I want to say that sometimes God will give this. Sometimes the wisdom is sufficient. It's always from God. The guidance is from God. So, but but um, the the top one is, if you like, an optional extra, and we see that in decisions in in the New Testament. Sometimes there's this supernatural extra and a lot of confusion has come through that and that's why I'm spending the entire message on that because we really need to avoid the pitfalls in that so just to summarize then three modes of guidance walking in the spirit which is living and loving according to our new heart it's growing by building our relationship with God that's how we grow this asking for wisdom um, when it doesn't seem obvious what to do and we do this by praying and laying it all before him um, and praying through it. And then there's the supernatural revelation, which we can't demand, but uh, we can't ignore it if God gives it. And so um, I'll go back to that slide where I gave the summary. Bible, good counsel from others, consulting other stakeholders, common sense, general revealed wisdom, and bringing these together in prayer. So I'm going to close now by praying for each one of you. And I'm sure 
I have no, no doubt that quite a number of you are making decisions right now. Some of them are major decisions, some of them are not quite so important. But I'm specifically going to pray for wisdom for you right now in whatever decision. So as I pray, I want you to bring to mind what you would like this to apply to. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have told us that if we pray for wisdom, you will give it. And we cry to you, Lord, now for each one of us here who, and each one who is watching this online, that you would bring clarity to us, you'll bring insights to us, you'll give us the wisdom that you promised, making decisions. And Lord, we pray that we will live our lives out of the life of Jesus within us, that in all that we do, people will look at us and see your love, your beauty, your character. Lord, we bring this to you. We lay this before you now. In Jesus' name, amen.